When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Titan-Sized Podcast. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of the Titan-Sized Podcast, Matthias Wadner, Will Lomas. Gentlemen, the preseason is less than a week away for the Tennessee Titans. It's finally here. It's been a, a draining, brutal, kind of boring offseason, but uh, we're definitely going to we're gonna get back to some real football soon. It's going to be exciting. Uh, first and foremost, I just want to thank uh, all of our readers and people who follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, and read our stuff. You guys have been killing it. We've had some of the most successful months in Titan Size history lately, uh, and it's because of you guys. And uh, also about the giveaway contest uh, that we were doing, uh, we were planning on doing. Uh, it's been a little, a little bit because we have to move our podcast to the Blog Talk Radio to the Fan Sided Network, so uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. So in the last week or so of practice, really in the last three or four days of practice in particular, it seems like the Titans have had a a slew of injuries that wasn't necessarily there before these last couple of days. Carl Klug, DeMarco Murray, uh, Corey Davis, all guys who are dealing with various injuries. Of those guys, who are you worried about and maybe who are you not so worried about? Yeah, I'm a little bit worried about Corey Davis, uh, mainly because... Uh, he has a similar hamstring injury to DeMarco Murray, but it seems a bit more serious because he's week-to-week week, uh, while Murray is, is day-to-day, and he's been out there doing work on the side. Murray has. Uh, I just want to see Davis uh, get back to full health as soon as possible so he could so he could at least play in one preseason game, preferably uh, the third one, which is, which is when uh, um, starters usually last for the entire half of the preseason game. So if he could get out there for at least a series or two, with the with the first team um, and be healthy doing so, that would be that would be encouraging. One that concerns me is the Eric Walden day off slash injury. I'm not sure if it was just because he's a veteran and he's giving him time to breathe, but if he's taking all those second team snaps, those are snaps that Aaron Wallace and Josh Caraway aren't getting with that second team pass rush. They need a guy to step up and develop behind a rack pose. So if he's not going to be healthy, it's a big detriment to this team. Another guy who's injured, and this isn't really new, he's been on the physically unable to perform list for almost all of training camp, is wide receiver Tajay Sharp. He's kind of an interesting player at this point because of the legal troubles he's had during the offseason, the acquisitions the Titans have made otherwise at the receiver spot, and his injury. Is this a guy that legitimately could potentially not make this team? Yeah, uh, he's had one of the the most bizarre or even bad off seasons I've ever seen for any Titans player. Uh, you mentioned the the legal trouble and then uh, the foot injury that's kept him out of practice up until this point. With the Titans adding Taewon Taylor, uh, Eric Decker, and Corey Davis, 
Tajay Sharp has gone from seemingly the number two receiver last year to possibly number five this year. And even players like Trey McBride and even Jonathan Krause has been solid in in uh, in training camp. And Harry Douglas is still there. So there there's like four or five uh, receivers that he's battling with in camp right now to even make this team. And he needs to get out there as soon as as soon as humanly possible to to lay claim to start a, a position on, on the roster. Yeah, and he's on the pup list, which gives them more time to kind of make a decision on whether they want him long term or not. But don't underestimate how much Malarkey and Terry Rubisky really love Harry Douglas. I mean, that he's always dancing at practice, has a ton of energy. Mariota had good chemistry with him when he was on the field, better than Kendall Wright last year. I think that'll be the spot that kind of is there as a placeholder if they really like Tajay Sharp. They'll bring him back. If they don't, they could just slip him onto IR and leave Harry Douglas on this team one more year. I've been a, a – I've never really like liked Harry Douglas, but, I mean, when he has to catch a ball, he catches it. Or at the very least, he, he's very good at drawing defensive pass interferences in the end zone, which is just the weirdest thing for someone to be good at. But he seems to do it pretty much every week. So, yeah, yeah he's valuable. Weird. He's kind of that, like, Mar- Mariani-level, like – guy it's like a guy that's not going to kill you and you would want to do better but if he's your you know your kind of bottom line kind of guy that's not a bad place to be mm-hmm. i agree someone that hasn't really stood out in training camp other than the fact that he's healthy which is a massive development is outside linebacker kevin dodd who last year had some success early in the season, particularly against the Lions going against Taylor Decker, playing as a rotational third-down specialist kind of pass rusher. Uh, Will, if Kevin Dodd is completely healthy for all of this year, let's just assume that for the purpose of this question, what is he going to bring from this defense that they were missing last year because of his injury? I mean, the biggest thing he'll bring is relief for Derek Morgan, who has to play 80% of the snaps when there's nobody behind him because he plays a very specific role in this defense. He plays hand in the ground most of the time, base end against right tackles, which is a very specific thing. You know, you've got to be able to set the edge and stop the run there first because most teams are right-handed when they want to run the ball. So to have somebody like Kevin Dodd who's got that big frame and can still give you a pass rush and is not limited to a one-dimensional kind of player is a huge deal. That's why the Titans spent a top 40 pick on him. So to have him back and healthy, even if he only gets five or six sacks, what he'll do for Derek Morgan's efficiency and durability is worth more than what we'll see on just the stat sheet. Yeah, I wrote an article about him finally being healthy uh, a couple hours ago. Um, earlier this offseason in January, he had another foot surgery uh, after being limited uh, to, to just like brief cameos in his rookie season, and he got shut down towards the towards the second half of the season. Um, it, it, we were beginning to wonder whether he would ever even make an impact as a Titan, but very low-key, he's just come in. Uh, he's rehabbed his foot, and Mike Markey said today that it, it's to the point where the, the foot isn't even mentioned anymore, and he's pretty much fully healthy. Um, to Will's point about uh, Derek Morgan relief, uh, towards the end of the season, Derek, Derek Morgan and Brian Arakpo were logging snap counts that were nearly in the 90s, uh, which is pretty much unprecedented for, for pass rushers, and it's why our sack rate and uh, a lot of the pressure that we were getting on the cornerback, on the quarterback, 
kind of a dip towards the end of last season. So if Kevin Dodd can just be a decent backup, a decent spell pass rusher, along with Eric Walden, who we've signed, and along with possibly Aaron Wallace or Josh Caraway, who are competing for a backup spot, uh, it would be huge for the for the pass rush in general. Kevin Dodd is going into his second season with the Titans. Someone who's going into their first season with the Titans uh, is cornerback Adoree Jackson. He was a first-round draft pick. And while he's not currently running with the first team, he's behind uh, LaShawn Sims and Logan Ryan currently on the depth chart. He's a guy that has turned heads in training camp. I'm sure many of you saw the video of him making a really nice interception uh, that the Titans tweeted out a video of that yesterday. Um, what do you two expect his role to be this season? And do you expect him to uh, surpass at any point LaShawn Sims as the starting corner opposite Logan Ryan? I still think LaShawn Sims is going to be the corner the starting cornerback for for the entire season just because I'm in love with LaShawn Sims huge uh, <laughs> huge fan of his uh, but Adore Jackson has been making plays in training camp um, he's been running with the twos but I think he stepped in with the ones uh, during one practice like a week ago and he picked off Mariota almost immediately and then uh, you saw the video from today he also picked off Mariota so that's something that the Titans sorely were missing last season uh, turnovers from their cornerbacks and if Adore Jackson I mean you're gonna have to go through growing pains with him uh, he, he's still relatively new to the cornerback position uh, and he's raw but he's very athletic and uh, he has a, a nose for the ball something that the Titans haven't had in a cornerback in a rather long time yeah I mean I think what you want out of any rookie corner is for him to be your third corner and I kind of put that in quotes because I don't mean a slot corner necessarily there's a situation where you have LaShawn Sims on the field who's a bigger body, not necessarily as fast or dynamic, but can handle bigger guys like DeAndre Hopkins, you know, guys who can win at the catch point. And then you could have a Dory Jackson against the faster guys, and Logan Ryan could move inside to, cor- to slot corner where he really does good work. I mean, the uh, Patriots used him there last year, especially in their game against the Cardinals, where he would line up outside, and then they would bring in a third corner, and he would often trail Fitzgerald in the slot because that's where – their best matchups were so he they the Patriots just used him as that chess piece and I think that was part of Robinson's plan bringing him to the Titans was I can get a guy who I can put outside or inside and it doesn't limit me in the draft and that flexibility is what should help Adoree Jackson see some playing time with the ones immediately but not necessarily see him fully exposed yeah a lot of people think Logan Ryan's best position is actually as a slot cornerback which in today's NFL is hugely valuable possibly even more valuable than an outside cornerback because there are so many good slot receivers and quarterbacks love to pick apart teams over the middle uh a trio of of uh ryan in the slot a dory outside and sims outside gives you gives you some height on the outside with sims and some playmaking ability with jackson and uh solid defense over the middle with ryan so that would be a really good really good trio LaShawn Sims is really a corner that has prototypical size. I mean, he's not Richard Sherman or anything like that, but he's kind of the size that the modern ideal cornerback is leaning towards. Last year, he played really well when you looked at the film, especially in tight man coverage. But the one area where he really, really struggled and has kind of continued to struggle thus far during training camp is 
covering the deep ball and turning his head around and making plays on the ball. Right, yeah, it's definitely the area where he needs to improve. You saw it in the in the, the video where Corey Davis made a, a really good juggling catch in the end zone over him. Sims uh, didn't really get his head around. He kind of just stuck his hand up in the air to try to swat it away, and he did, and Davis made, made a really good catch. But I want to see Sims turn around, attack that ball before Davis has a chance to, and, and pick it off because uh, that's what you want from a from a cornerback of his size, like 6'6", six, 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 200 not six 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 feet two hundred <laughs> six six would be absolutely ridiculous. But yeah, no, I definitely want to see him improve in that area. Yeah, and a good pass rush will help that a lot because the less time you have to actually spend in coverage, the more off coverage you can play, and you can keep an eye your eyes on the quarterback and jump routes. It, it's things like an improved pass rush that'll really help this group. I talked to Avery Williamson at one point last season, and it was one of the times where. Early in the year when the defensive front was really struggling to bring consistent pressure. And I asked Avery, I basically said, if in Coach LeBeau's defense, the front seven doesn't bring consistent pressure, is the system kind of destined to fail? And the answer he gave me was no, as long as a defensive back can make a play. That is why it was the Titans really Achilles heel last year. They had a fantastic front seven, two pro bowlers in Casey and Arakpo, but it would get to the point where those guys weren't getting it done for whatever reason. And it happens even to the best of them. And the cornerbacks were getting exposed and you had Parrish Cox out there and you had Jason McCourty out there and you had LaShawn Sims out there and they were getting torched and not making any sort of plays on the football. And that ultimately was the demise of the defense. Yeah, the pass rush really tailed off uh, towards the end of the year. And uh, we were playing a lot of off coverage where cornerbacks were almost like 10 yards uh, off of the wide receivers. And cornerbacks, I mean, quarterbacks were just kind of just picking, picking and choosing who they, where they wanted to attack. Uh, they would, they would throw the ball like three yards and those receivers would just beat our guys to the first down markers. Um, but if we do, if we have a better pass rush, it absolutely makes life so much easier for the secondary and considering, uh, I mean, we don't have a bunch of talent in the secondary, but it's good enough to where a passer could make it well, a top 12, top 15 unit. Yeah, that's really all it has to be. I mean, an improved pass rush always helps you know, a good secondary, a bad secondary, whatever. It always helps it. It's kind of like the chicken and the egg of the defensive philosophy. Should I get a better pass rusher or should I get a better corner? Well, if you get an upgrade at either, they will help each other. Yeah, and also there's so much that a cornerback can do if there's literally no pass rush. A cornerback can't cover a receiver for for five to seven seconds at a time. That's why Andrew Luck kills us so much because even though he doesn't have a great offensive line, he stays in the pocket and he can extend plays, and that's why T.Y. Hilton's always killing us over the middle of the field. In the 2016 NFL Draft, safety Kevin Byard dropped to the third round, and I kind of attribute that to the fact that not many people knew about him since he was a small school guy and he didn't get an invitation to the Combine. Uh, He had an okay rookie season. He showed that he was a really good blitzer, but most of what he did as a rookie was playing in the box at strong safety. After the addition of Jonathan Cyprian over the offseason, Bayard is set to be the Titans' full-time starter at free safety, where he has already received phenomenal comments from Coach Malarkey, 
he's looked really good from coming from someone that's been at almost every practice. What do we expect from him this year that maybe we didn't see him do as a rookie? Well, he didn't pick off any passes last season, surprisingly. He was always kind of around the ball, um, but he played more, like you said, he played more in the box, more strong safety than what his position was in college, which was a, a free-roaming safety, kind of like a center field safety. Uh, coming out, pro football focus was actually very high on him. They considered him one of the best safeties in the entire draft class, uh, and they usually do a very good job of uh, scouting scouting college players, so it's no surprise that John Robinson um, took him at a pretty valuable spot in the third round, which is good value. Um, I'm expecting uh, – well, I'm not going to go ahead and, and say he's going to be a pro bowler this season. Um, that's just not fair to him since it's only a second season, but I could see him picking off maybe like four passes as a, as one of those center field types um, because he's going to be able to, to do that and roam, roam in the backfield uh, more with uh, Cyprian coming in. Yeah. One thing that we didn't see him do last year is start 16 games, which I think he'll do easily this year. I think he's got to be one of the best defensive backs, especially one of the best safeties we have on the team. And something else that's been harped on a lot this preseason is communication between all the defensive backs with new corners at all three positions, you know, give give or take four starts for LaShawn Sims. Communication is a big deal and Malarkey and Robinson have both praised Kevin Byard and his ability to line everybody up, which a lot of the best safeties say is one of the most important things you can do. If you can communicate clearly whose assignment everybody is, the athleticism and the skill should just take over from there. So I really want to see him take a step forward in leading this group and having a second year leader of a good group of secondary is a good thing to have. Yeah, and I think Sims and Bard playing together for a full season is actually very beneficial because, as you said, they didn't start all 16 games last season, and they started they started starting games at, at kind of different spots. So 16 games together, especially in the back in the secondary, uh, could be beneficial for the whole for the whole defense. So, <laughs> so before we move into talking about the Titans' first preseason game this coming Saturday against the New York Jets, I want to hit on. One more player on this roster that's set up to have another good season, and that's running back DeMarco Murray. I just finished writing an article about DeMarco, and in writing it and looking at some of his stats, it just reminded me how lucky the Titans are to have gotten him last offseason from the Philadelphia Eagles in exchange for some duct tape and a couple of Gatorade bottles. Uh, but he's just he's one of the best running backs in the NFL, I still think at times he might be a little overrated. And more than anything, he's the perfect back for what uh, Mike Malarkey and offensive coordinator Terry Robisky want to do with this Titans offense. Yeah, he's been unbelievable since coming in the NFL from Oklahoma. He was good in Oklahoma, but and uh, during his first couple of years, he was really good, but the problem was that he would always get injured. Uh, thankfully, over the last three seasons, he's only missed one game. Um, and three years ago, he had that ridiculous season where he rushed for 1800 yards caught 400 caught 57 passes which really surprised me i knew i always knew he was a good receiving back because tony romo would really lean on him pretty often um but i didn't realize just how good he was he made some some huge catches and he was one of our most reliable players um receivers at least on third downs and converting uh, especially in the game against the Chiefs, and uh, I think uh, the game against the Lions, he had a huge, uh, huge over-the-shoulder catch that 
propelled us towards a win. So I love Derrick Henry as much as the next guy, and I think he's going to be a star in this league. But DeMarco Murray, after a great first season in Nashville, has earned the right to uh, to carry the workload. Yeah, I mean, am I? I mean, I'm excited for Derrick Henry to play, but at the same time, you can't overestimate how good DeMarco Murray was in this offense. I mean, he did a little bit of everything. He caught a touchdown. He ran a touchdown. He passed a touchdown. I mean, he did a little bit of everything, and enough running the ball to even when he split carries with. Derrick Henry some, he still led the AFC in rushing, which is a big deal. I mean, he's the focal point of the offense right now, and until Derrick Henry shows that he can really carry the load, whether that's in preseason games or by spilling Murray, you want Murray to be as healthy as possible. Having said that, I am extremely excited to see what Derrick Henry does in this preseason game where he should be getting the bulk of the carries and where he can really run with the first-team offense. DeMarco led the AFC in rushing, and people don't usually mention that over the last half of the season, he was hampered by a toe injury that was pretty bothersome. So he's going to be fully healthy going into this season. He's going to be just as good, if not better. And I mean, I I don't, this will never be a Marcus Mariota slander podcast, but for the first three or four weeks of the season, Mariota really struggled to find himself in this mm-hmm. offense. The, yeah. the offense time and time again had to rely on that offensive line and that running game. And Murray was the reason we were kept afloat for a lot of those games. So as great as Mariota was, once he finally, you know, cleared through that, that fog and got into the offense, we really had to lean on the running game and offensive line, and Murray was there when nothing else was going right. Yeah, he caught two touchdowns in the first week against the Vikings where the whole offense struggled. And even in the game against Houston and Oakland, our offense struggled also, and he was a huge huge part of that we were even in any of those games. Right. So let's start talking about the Titans' first preseason game. It's coming up this Saturday uh, against the New York Jets. What are some of the things that we need to be looking for, I guess, as this game kicks off? Well, first and foremost, this is a huge matchup between two AFC powerhouses. Now, in all honesty, <laughs> the, the Jets have one of the most talent-bearing rosters I've ever seen in my life. Um, I mean, they're going to compete for 0-16 this season. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Um, their quarterback situation is just is brutal. Uh, Josh McCown, Christian Hackenberg, and Bryce Petty is just a really bad triumvirate of of not a lot of talent. Um, what I'm hoping to see from the Titans, I want to see them dominate. Um, I want to see Derrick Henry dominate just like he did in the preseason uh, last season. And I want to see our cornerbacks manhandle what at this point is a, a putrid, putrid wide receiver corps uh, that, can, that consists of Robbie Anderson, who I actually like. Um, uh, Sharone Pete, Chad Hansen, or Darius Stewart. Um, those are those are players that our cornerback should be able to handle very easily. If you're looking for quality matchups that you know really will gauge how a preseason is going for both teams, the offensive line of the Titans versus the defensive line of the Jets is probably as good as you're going to get here. I mean, you've got Leonard Williams, Muhammad Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson, uh, even McClendon's good. Their nose tackle who rotates. You know, I. I don't know if they'll all play because that's their key to any wins. But if they do play, it'll be very interesting to see how the offensive line does. 
and I would expect that the Titans' backups will come in sooner than the Jets, and it'll be interesting to see how the backup defensive line does against an offensive line of the Jets that's starting Ben Ajalana at left tackle and, you know, Kelvin Beecham at right tackle. I mean, that those are not great names to have protecting your rookie quarterback if that's who you're going to play. So I'll be really interested to see how Austin Johnson and, you know, Sylvester Williams, who I imagine will lag a little bit behind after the number ones are out, you know, that defensive line, the, the front three linemen, not including the linebackers, how they really deal with that inexperienced, lower quality offensive line. We were talking uh, a, l- I, a little bit before we recorded the show about who we thought maybe the Jets would feature, and we really came to the conclusion that they don't have anybody worth featuring. So uh, it's just really weird, I guess, the situation that the Jets are in right now. Mm-hmm. It's a weird game, to be honest with you. Um, they've The Jets don't really have any veteran players that are blocking – uh, younger players from playing and being featured, I guess, per se, uh, in this game. I do want to see uh, how Bilal Powell plays. Uh, he, he's a really exciting – he's not young anymore. He's 28, but he's never really got an opportunity to, to be the main guy, and he probably still won't with Matt Forte there, but they're going to be splitting carries. And Bilal Powell is a really good uh, receiving running back. He's very shifty, very dynamic out of the backfield. Um, and as for – players that they could feature i don't know i'm guessing christian hackenberg um who was a second round pick last year uh he had one of the worst performances in the preseason game i've ever seen in 2016 um if he has a similar performance to that one in this one it's just going to be all hell is going to break loose in new york but i mean they have to see what what they have in him because um they're probably going to get the number one overall pick and probably going to take the quarterback with it so they need to at least see if they can recoup some trade value with Hackenberg or see if maybe maybe he's actually the quarterback of the future. So the Jets spent two uh, top 60 picks on two safeties. So there's a chance if the Titans run it for seven yards a carry and the, off- and the Jets' offense doesn't do anything, that we don't see a single impact play from any of the uh, top two picks in the last draft at any point in this game. I mean, Marcus May and Jamal Adams may very well be really good safeties, but your best player can't be the guy farthest away from the ball. So, you know, impact players, guys to focus on, I mean, really it's going to be Sheldon Richardson for me because they're trying to move him. You know, does he play into the Mm -hmm. second quarter so they can showcase him versus backups to really say, you know, this guy can still go, or do they pull him quick? You know, how does Leonard Williams do? How long does they play their one solid player in Leonard Williams it's it's interesting to me because ideally you get to see Taylor Lewan versus Leonard Williams and you just let them go at it and that that's your marquee matchup but if they pull them early you know there's nobody to really look at and say well this matchup will be interesting or this is the guy they should blitz with and scheme with it, it just it's kind of a barren roster I've heard it talked about as to whether or not the Titans would make a move for Sheldon Richardson. Mm-hmm. I don't think his personality necessarily fits the Mike Malarkey, John Robinson sort of code of conduct, but I think he is mm-hmm. someone that certainly has value for other teams. Maybe the Jets just aren't getting quite as high an offer as maybe they're wanting. Yeah, he's supremely talented. He was the rookie of the year back back in 2013, uh, and he made the Pro Bowl the next year so i mean the talent's still there um he did have some legal issues i think uh with marijuana and 
I think he was speeding, and he also he was also brought up on gun charges. Um, I feel like they've kind of is I don't know what his value is at this point. I feel like it would have been much higher earlier in the off season, uh, before the draft, uh, because that's usually when when players get traded. I'm not sure what they could recoup at this point, um, but he's absolutely still a guy with a lot of talent. Uh, like you said, um, there's a reason the Titans didn't pull off a trade for him. They probably don't see him as a fit um, in their locker room, and especially um, since they've been building with a with uh, with uh, players that are just pretty much uh, free of free of distractions. Yeah, I don't think Richardson is a fit with the Titans because, like you said, all the locker room stuff. But if Tajay Sharp was healthy, and he's the biggest trade chip the Titans really have right now with all the depth they brought in at wide receiver, who would get the better end of a deal just straight up Tajay Sharp for Sheldon Richardson considering contract suspension? Because Sheldon Richardson's a free agent after this year. Now, Tajay Sharp's not ever going to be your number one, and he may be a number two, number three fringe guy, but after looking at that wide receiver group for the Jets and thinking, you know, we've got a young quarterback, we need as much talent as we can that's young and cheap, Tajay Sharp for Sheldon Richardson, I, I'm not necessarily sure the Titans would win that one. That's actually a really interesting trade offer. I, I'd never thought of it like that, but... Yeah, Sharp is a theoretical trade candidate, especially given the competition at the position. Um, I still think we would win that trade between Sharp and Richardson. But, uh, yeah, that's just my opinion. The the thing about Sheldon Richardson, though, if he were to come to the Titans, would be that he would create even more of a, a – I don't know how to say it. I guess he would crowd the defensive line room even more than it already mm-hmm. is crowded, which brings me to our next point that we we're going to talk about, and that's which of these defensive linemen, other than Jarrell Casey, who we all know is one of the best players in the NFL, other than him, who is someone that you look forward to watching in the preseason and you look to maybe make a splash and show why they should get more more snaps than some of their counterparts who they're competing against? As uh, the president of the of the Austin Johnson fan club, I would love to see him show out and uh, earn at least consistent playing time. Uh, if it's at D or behind uh, behind Daquan Jones or at nose tackle as Sylvester Williams backup, I think he could play both positions. And I really just want to see him see him dominate both in run defense, which he showed last season to be adept at, and also as a pass rusher. And uh, I also want to see Antoine Woods, who was undrafted at a USC uh, a couple of years ago. I want to see him uh, make a case for uh, for the backup nose tackle position because right now it's pretty much him as the backup nose, and I guess Austin Johnson if they consider him that. Uh, and he's kind of competing with D'Angelo Brown, who's a rookie out of Louisville, who's also had a pretty decent camp if reports are anything to go by. Yeah, one guy I'd look at is uh, Mehdi Abdesmad if we're just talking about defensive line guys because I really think he knows how to clog an interior. And when he played last year, it was a very small amount. But, I mean, he looked good doing what he was supposed to do. He was in the backfield for a big guy. That's important. A lot of people are starting to mock us in the first round of next year's draft, which is way too early, I know. But they're mocking us guys like Vita Vea and bigger nose tackle type Mm -hmm. bodies, which I don't really love the value there. I would like to see one of these other guys, Antoine Woods, Mehdi Abdesmad, somebody who's got that big frame be able to step in and be a run stuff or opposite uh, Sylvester Williams at that position. So 
this would be a great time when the Jets have an inconsistent offensive line that really won't mesh together well in pass protection, and they'll want to salt the game away with a run. It's a really good time to see if a guy like Antoine Woods can hold up in that position, or not Antoine Woods, uh, Medi Abdesmad can really hold up in that nose tackle position. Yeah, he's huge. He's like 6'6", 280-something. Um, yeah, he's a little bit different than Antoine Woods and Austin Johnson. Well, Austin Johnson's like 6'4", but Woods is is six foot three hundred. So he's more one of those like Vince Wilfork types of nose tackles, but Abdusmad can do the job, and he's a little bit more uh, more lengthy, bigger wingspan. We talked a little bit in our last episode about the the crowdedness in the wide receiver room as well as the defensive line room. You have your locks to make the roster. Obviously, Corey Davis, Taewon Taylor, Eric Decker, and uh, Rashard Matthews. But behind those guys, it's very muddled. So we're going to play a little bit of a game. Will, I know you did a piece earlier in the week talking about why Eric Weems should make this team, right? Yes, yes, correct. So you're going to get Eric Weems in this game. Matias, you're going to get you're going to get Trey McBride, the 2014 oh, yeah. seventh-round pick out of William & Mary. And the game we're going to play is this. We're going to go to each of you, and you're going to make the case and make an argument for why your guy deserves to make this team as either the, the fifth or the sixth wide receiver. Let's go Trey McBride, baby. Uh, a lot of uh, draft Twitter, uh, well, at least that's what they call draft analysts who, uh, who pretty much make a living off Twitter, uh, they love Trey McBride coming out of William and & Mary, and they were shocked that he fell that far uh, to, to the seventh round to Tennessee. Um, so he definitely he has some some potential as more than just a special teams player. He could give you much more on offense than than Eric Weems can, or at least has shown that he can. I don't know if you guys knew, but Trey McBride actually scored a touchdown in 2015. Two catches, eight oh. yards, and a touchdown. Yeah, I think it was from Zach Mattenberger, <laughs> but let's just repress <laughs> that memory. Anyway, McBride, uh, in addition to to giving you something on offense as a fifth or sixth receiver. Uh, he's a really good gunner, and he could he's really good at special teams, and he can also return if you need if need be. Uh, he show he show he showed that in uh, last preseason and in his uh, rookie preseason. So he could give you a little bit more uh, flexibility than Weems can. Yeah, I think if you're talking about offense, McBride gives you a lot more flexibility because you can actually use him as a use him as a wide receiver. Where I'm not really sure you'd use Weems as a wide receiver. What Weems does is he gives you more flexibility on defense to game plan. He can play up back, he can play gunner, he can return the ball. You know, he can do a whole bunch of different things, and you can use that extra extra roster spot on the game day roster to uh, bring in an extra linebacker you can bring in an extra safety a corner maybe you want an offensive line heavy day where you know you know you're going to go jumbo package against a smaller a smaller defensive line he gives you that flexibility because he can play all those different special teams positions with all the talk of Adoree Jackson being a great punt returner he, he's a great kick returner but it sounds like John Robinson and Mike Malarkey are slowly backing away from the idea of Adoree Jackson playing kick return and mm-hmm. punt return if that happens, I would expect Weems to be the kick returner just as a low-floor kind of guy, somebody to get you to the 26-yard line and not the 19-yard line. You know, he probably won't break one for a long, you know, touchdown like Adore Jackson would, but that's extra rest Jackson can get on the sidelines while Weems is your returner and it doesn't change how you uh, make your game-day roster. Yeah, if Adore Jackson isn't starting, 
um, and he's just like the the fourth cornerback. I don't mind seeing him as both kick returner and punt returner. But if he's going to be a pretty big uh, asset on defense uh, every game, I kind of just want to see him return punts, and then we'll go either either uh, casual with Eric Weems at kick return, or maybe hopefully Kofani Muhammad. But he had a horrible day of practice. I think it was today. I think he fumbled three punt returns. I read mm-hmm. that was that was a, a shot to the heart for me because I've been pounding the table for him. Um, and also, I just want to mention about Weems. Um, he was uh, ranked seventh last season in punt return in yards per punt return, and he was seventeenth in kickoff in yards per kickoff return. So uh, he's better than a lot of people are making it, making him out to be. He's a little bit better than pedestrian, which is what Mark Marion was last season. Yeah, when your worst case kick returner is better than who was starting there last year, I think that's worth yeah. a game day spot. Yeah, for sure. So as we close out. Episode number two of the Titan-sized podcast. I want us to do one last kind of exercise. We're going to go to each, all three of us, and we're each going to give an underdog who you expect big things from in the preseason and to maybe make a name for themselves on the Titans roster. I'll go first, and my pick is defensive back Curtis Riley. Uh, it's kind of a name that I didn't know all that much about. I knew he was on the team, but I didn't know much about him as a player going into this offseason. But from someone that's been at most of the practices and and at the scrimmage Saturday night, he's looked really, really good. Uh, Specifically at the scrimmage, he made a nice solo tackle on Derrick Henry in a live tackling period near the goal line. That was extremely impressive. He also, on a blitz, had a, a tackle for a loss in the running game. I don't remember what who the back was. I think it was Henry. It might have been Flewellen. Uh, he, he's just seemed to be in the right place at the right time. He's made nice plays. And I think he's a guy in the preseason that is going to make his case for being on the defensive back and, and safety depth chart once this 53-man roster is out. Yeah, it's an intriguing pick for sure. Um, the reports from him out of camp have been really good. And when I read that, he stopped Derrick Henry solo one on one. That was just that was I I didn't see that coming at all, um, and I was just very impressed. And it's interesting because on the unofficial depth chart that the Titans uh, came out with uh, yesterday or two days ago, um, C- Curtis Riley is technically is at the moment Kevin Byard's backup at free safety, uh, and he's usually been uh, usually been a cornerback to this point in his career, and he's ahead of Brendan Trawick, who's a uh, mostly a special teams guy, but a lot of people were expecting him to be the backup free safety. So it's looking like Riley will pr- probably make the team uh, as a free safety cornerback hy- hybrid. Someone else who also has been uh, like a co- uh, splitting time of cornerback and safety during training camp has been Kalen Reed, uh, who I really liked coming out of, out of college. Uh, he was Mr. Irrelevant last year, uh, and he was on the practice squad. Uh, he has a lot of talent. Uh, he picked off Alex Tanny in, in training camp the other day, uh, and he's been making plays uh, if reports are anything to go by. And I really want to see him uh, make a case for that fifth cornerback spot and, and really make this team. Uh, going from one 2016 NFL draft pick uh, to the other, Aaron Wallace is a guy I'd really like to see more from, uh, and I think we'll see a lot of him this preseason. He's a guy who can play inside linebacker and pass rusher, uh, whether you want to call that edge or whatever, but 
you know, he's got speed and a quick first step, which is something that nobody else on this team has. Not Brian Arakpo, not Derek Morgan. Neither one of them have that get off that really makes them a quote unquote speed rusher. Aaron Wallace is the only guy I see on this team that can do that. I, it'd be great for the Titans if they could find a way to use him as a situational blitzer against slower offensive tackles when the NFL season comes around. And it doesn't get much slower than preseason second, tra- second string tackles. Matias, where can we follow you on Twitter? You can find me at Mati Wand. It's M-A-T-I-W-O-D. If you want to catch up on some soccer stuff, which is usually what I tweet about. Not sure how many people in Tennessee care about that, but and also <laughs> fancy football stuff. So there's a little bit of everything in there for you guys. Will, where can we follow you? Uh, you can follow me at, at jlomas72. You can follow me at Luke underscore Worsham. That does it for episode number two of the Titan-Sized Podcast. Saturday night, 6.30 p.m., the Tennessee Titans take on the New York Jets in their preseason opener. It's going to start at 6.30 p.m. You can watch it locally in Nashville on WKRN News Channel 2. Titans Radio will have coverage. It's a very exciting time. We will be back next week to recap the first preseason game for the Titans. Until then, I'm Luke Worsham for Matthias Wadner. Well, Lomas, we will see you guys next week. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.